What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the 20 Minute Marketing Podcast. I hope you are having a great day, and thank you for joining us for episode 77 of the show. For anyone new, my name is Liam, and I chat with a different guest every week and try my best to provide you with unique and interesting conversations around marketing. The show is brought to you by Reach Interactive, and we release new episodes every Wednesday. So today is going to be a really fun episode, and I'm looking forward to getting started. Our guest today is Mike Siphone from Siphone Digital, who is joining us from Chicago. Uh, We've spent a reasonable amount of time planning this episode, so I'm really excited to get started and dive in. First, though, hey, Mike, welcome to the show. And how's it going? Hey, man, it's uh, it's going good. It's great to be here. Been really busy lately, but um, I'm excited. This is a good this is a good refresh. Yeah, awesome. Could you give us a quick introduction on yourself, please? Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, Okay, let's see here. Uh, I grew up in the Chicago area. I went to college at the University of Missouri, um, or Mizzou, as we call it. Got my start in digital marketing at an agency there in Columbia called Venta Marketing. I stayed with Venta for a couple of years to get experience, pay my dues, that sort of thing, and then moved back to Chicago to take an in-house job at a tech startup. I was like number 12 there, so like really from the beginning. Basically, I built the search department and then transitioned over to managing product. That was something I hadn't really gotten into prior. Um, but yeah, I mean, the SEO community is so awesome. Like I really miss it a ton. And like, ever since I left agency life, you know, as, as sort of an entrepreneur at heart, I always wanted to sort of disrupt the space and, and do things a little bit differently. But you know, now we're here. That's uh Savon digital. I launched it back in February on the first. Yeah. It's been a real thrill. Sounds good. Thanks for the intro. So we're going to get started with the episode. We're going to be talking about a few things um, during our conversation. Um, I'll be asking Mike some questions around top-level site optimization, how to improve user experience, and what that means for SEO and how to optimize sort of our SEO strategy. Um, so a few different things, but it'll be really fun to um, to ask you some questions, Mike. So stay tuned, everyone, and we'll dive in. So as I mentioned in the introduction, we're going to be talking about how user expectations are changing and evolving and how businesses can adapt through site optimization, SEO and content strategy um, to meet those needs and demands. So first of all, a pretty top level question, Mike. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how expectations have changed online and if site owners are doing a good job at meeting those expectations. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really important topic and and definitely something that is worth paying attention to. Let's see. I th- I think users have come to expect more memorable, unique, branded experiences. And, and what I'm talking about here are some great examples of what this looks like. Is is really just apps, right? They all have unique experiences. Look at like eBay, PayPal, and Venmo, Instagram, Netflix, Spotify. Um, you could even use Clubhouse as like a recent example. That interface is quite unique. You know, as users were engaging with these sorts of experiences more and more through our daily lives, like. I'm sure throughout the pandemic, plenty of people have been ordering more food on like Uber Eats and, and it, it's becoming sort of ingrained in, in how we do things. Like we're going to get used to that. I, I think it's going to be essential to sort of think about how we're displaying content to our users and, and the experiences that we're creating. You know, I mean, a lot of UX people are already even talking about this, but people are going to start to see that as a standard. And I think branding is actually a super important element that sometimes can go by the wayside or, or not really be as top of mind. 
but as it relates to SEO and, and just digital marketing in general, like let's let's see here. On the web, yeah, sure, we've begun to make some strides towards like a mobile first internet. We've had mobile first indexing and, and pretty soon here core web vitals, which like everyone's talking about. But it's like why are we always waiting on Google to push the envelope? It feels like they have to incentivize us to make progress with the with these little treats making them rankings factors. And and I don't know, like where's the creativity? One thing that I often I'm skeptical about, or I shouldn't say skeptical, but like one thing I'm really curious about is like, look at the hamburger navigation, you know, like on mobile and, and actually reach is a great, does a, a really unique job with, with the, the sort of buttons on mobile that you guys have at the top, you know, one for like home um, contact, et cetera. So that, that would be a, an exact example of sort of the thing I'm talking about. It's like, I mean, you could even look back to like when we had MP3 players and, and like when the iPod came out, it's like. On the standard MP3 player, you had, like before the iPod, you had like just basic buttons, you know, forward, backward, like a like a, a D-pad on there to, to navigate around. But then like Apple came out with the first iPod and we had the, the scroll wheel, right? So like a different way, uh, a sort of a fun way too of interacting with the device. And it's like, you do see this a little bit now. It's starting to become more popular where people have like navigations that pop up. And it's like sort of like a like a half moon shape. And it's got, you know, some uh, buttons on there that have, you know, just your navigational links. And I think that's also pretty important for like accessibility, too. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that was a really interesting answer. And I love the example of sort of iPod development and how they started with a standard button uh, and progressed through to the full wheel. And then now we obviously have iPhones that can do a lot of different things. Um, but Apple always does a great job at keeping the interface simple to use. As a result of that, I think one of the big challenges for businesses and upcoming businesses or smaller businesses now is to try and replicate that success of those global brands like Apple and Amazon and take inspiration from their designs and site features, um, but also bring something new to the table and not look like a clone of every other site on the web. Yeah, I mean, you also sort of hint at another thing there that I think is a really Sort of, sort of another challenge, which is a bit different here, but you see it a lot with content too. Like you, you've got ninety, not ninety percent, but you've got like a large percent of people doing things because they've seen somebody else be successful with it. And I think it's really sort of inhibiting creativity. And we don't see as much unique ideas coming out because you know everyone, you know, we want to do what works, right? But then you know. How do we make progress then? So I totally agree with you. And I think branding is a super important part of that. I can say with Saphone Digital, for example, I mean, I, I spent quite a bit of time and money investing into the branding, having variants in our, you know, logos, having differences in uh, color palettes and stuff. And our font was like 500 bucks or something like that. But like, it really rounds out the brand and, and makes it a, a unique on-page experience. So, and I think the aesthetics are really something that sort of subconsciously hit home with users. Like that, that that's what makes it really memorable. And, and that's that's sort of my, what, I, what I'm getting at there with the branded experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the barriers to entry now are so low these days that anyone could start up a business. So if we take agencies, for example, who you're obviously competing with, there are thousands and thousands of agencies across the world out there that all offer a similar service. 
So the difference between you having a great font or a really unique color scheme sounds super small, but it actually could be the difference between someone spending some quality time on your site or bouncing and going to the next. So I would say all of those little things are what makes the biggest impact over a big splash like, I don't know, maybe something like a video that's produced really well and embedded onto your homepage or something like that. So if we move away from user experience and branding then and more towards SEO and site optimization, what are some things that you've noticed lately in terms of site structure? And do you have any tips for us in terms of improvement? So I've got two things here. And I think the first is like my greatest actionable sort of like short and sweet advice that's that's also a bit unique. I would say mark up as much of your website and content as possible with JSON. JSON, like the, the programming language, it, you know, they say structured data, schema markup, etc. It's all really just JSON at the end of the day. And I mean, what I'm getting at here is like, don't limit it to what you see in Google's SERP feature gallery. Like, do it custom and make it as granular as possible. I, I mean, I've been doing some testing with this recently, and, and the, the results are, are looking pretty awesome. So, yeah, I would say to take it a step further, you, you should make it dynamic if possible. You can do this, like, super easily now, especially if you're using something like Velo. Actually, I think that'll be the next WordPress. I mean, it's a CMS with a console. It's got a, an IDE, and you can literally drag, drag and drop your page elements but like because you've got React working. I, I think they've solved the, the page builder problem, really. But I mean, we'll see. So there's that, but I'm actually going to be writing about that soon. Yeah, cool. And Velo is something that hasn't been mentioned on the show at all before, I believe. What was the second thing that you mentioned that you could share with us as part of those two tips? Yeah, and so the other thing I wanted to touch on about site optimization, you mentioned structure. You know, when I think of structure of a website, I think of the site's information architecture. But this can also be more of how your site is laid out, you know, your UX. And, and I think we sort of touched on that in the previous question about the unique experiences and, and the apps. But like information architecture is is really subjective to a site. Your URL structure typically reflects that. And I, and I think it's important to point out that relationship. You know, a lot of SEOs see URL structure as this sort of strategic thing that has a right or wrong answer. And and like in my view, it's really not not like that. I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think there's plenty that, that will agree with me. But I think it's really about whether it makes sense or not. So like, I put it this way. Like on one hand, you've got to think about what I just call flow. Like, how might we arrange our site so that each page follows logically from the next as you dive deeper and deeper into the site? And on the other hand, you've got to think about the semantics that you're creating. <laughs> okay, let's say we're actually diving. How about, um, let's say we're diving into a coral reef and we're in Fiji, right? <laughs> uh, so just sort of imagine that. First, it'll be very open water. Then you'll see the vibrant outer reef. As you swim deeper, you'll eventually pass the, the sort of more like colorful, rigid looking coral. And it's going to open up into a flatter, greener area as you start to like reach the sand. And, you know, each step has its own unique sort of theme. There's different animals in, in different areas and, and things like that. I mean, it's sort of abstract, but like that's sort of what you want with with your content too. Like there should be themes. It should be very topical. And, and that's how you're going to be creating the semantics. So you've got, hey, how does the site flow? And, one, and secondly, like, are the things that we're talking about semantically related to each other? And then you can get into the whole, you know, you've got your keyword research and stuff and like your anchor text on your internal links that, that you can sort of optimize, you know, to go along with that. But, but really, at the end of the day, it's just the content that is going to be the real thing driving that. Awesome. I think using the Coral Reef is a great example to sort of visualize how a site can be structured. 
Um, we've touched on content a few times now as well. So let's focus on that specifically for a few minutes. Um, what is your approach to creating great content that does engage with site users and keeps things interesting, but also drives traffic as well? Well, I mean, I suppose it, it really depends on the sort of content, right? <laughs> and listeners are probably saying like, he, he's just like John Mueller and, and then he's just saying his answer is just that it depends. So like, yeah, I, but no, I mean, I, I always have to say that great content happens when you can read it, watch it or listen to it. Hit all three and you've got a home run. That means for a given piece of content, you're going to drive traffic to the site from Google if your SEO is good. Um, you're going to gain subscribers on YouTube, for example, if, if you're having a, a watch it element to it. And then let's say you have a podcast. There, there's your listeners there. And I, I like to say start with spoken word. I think that's a lot easier. So when you record a video or podcast, use transcription software or something to like Otter is a, is a great one that we use all the time for like both keeping track of our meetings as well as like creating content for our clients. But like when you do that, now you've got video and audio as well as original authentic copy. We can then give this to our content team to create a piece out of. And now we're also sort of ensuring to that, that we convey the client's tone and voice. So everything's on brand. And I think that, you know, that, that's sort of a, my recommendation for approaching it. But now let's say you're a specialized doctor or like a psychologist, an economist, right? You're publishing content that only someone with a particular education or expertise has gathered enough knowledge about to be a reliable source. Like your, your content requires trust, right? I mean, that's all about eat expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness, as well as like your money, your life, or why I'm, why, it's like your meal. <laughs> it's like eat your meal. Uh, no, but, but jokes aside, uh, it's a, it's a major part of Google's search quality evaluator guidelines. I, I won't get too much further into that here because we have limited time, but well, but I will say, uh, is that if, you know, that does describe like what the sort of content you're willing, you're looking to create, you really ought to educate yourself on it. The search quality evalu evaluator guidelines are publicly available. And, and if you're really looking to dive deeper, I think if, if you're listening, I think Lily Ray is probably the best source on this right now. She's, she's done some really great work. Yeah, great answer. And I really like that you dived into the value of eat for a moment there. I think it's super important to remember that at the end of the day, while we want to rank and search, we are also writing to people. And that connection that we have is going to be the difference as to whether they convert or not. One thing that I find really cool is that you've done some testing lately on content and how quickly Google will index new pages and, and stuff like that. So what inspired you to run these types of tests and find out what works well or perhaps doesn't work well on a website? When I, when I was in, in college, I, was, uh, I actually majored in political science, which has nothing to do with what I, what, with what I do now. And I, actually, I have no desire to get back into that space at all. <laughs> but, but I did experimental design like for political science research. And that's really where I sort of got my start into testing and experimental design and like statistical hypothesis testing. Um, which I think was an awesome, you know, foundation to have, you know, coming into to SEO as well, because I had that sort of mindset where it's like, let's, let's always be creating a theory, let's always be working on new hypotheses, and, and like, how are we going to test these things? And, and I think experimental design is, su is something that's super important, especially for SEOs to, to really study and understand. Because that's what's going to add the additional layer of credibility and sort of accuracy to a lot of our tests. But I would also say that like testing doesn't have to be this like, you know, it's not really rocket science at the end of the day. Like you don't have to have statistics and data behind the stuff that you're doing. You know, observation is, is just as, as powerful as a test. 
like you're still running a test if you observe something in Search Console one day after you make a change, and then you, you see rankings go up or, or something for a keyword, like after you added a bunch of content to a certain page, like that's a test too. It's just, you observed it. You don't have to have data behind everything in order to like be quote unquote, like testing things. Yeah, super interesting. So do you have any tips for us on starting a test or getting involved in testing that you'd be able to share with us? Uh, maybe there's someone listening that wants to explore a few things, but isn't quite sure how to um, approach it. So a couple of quick tips, I, I would say um, usertesting.com is something that everybody should be using, especially um, SEO. It's mainly, it, it's been, you know, I used it a lot when I was in product and that was more for like UX testing, but we can absolutely do it for, for a lot of SEO stuff too. And I would say that testing for UX and, and page experiences, you know, some conversion rate optimization, stuff like that, it sort of goes together. But I think don't be afraid to test something like wild and sort of ridiculous. That's how we improve and make progress. That's that's where unique ideas come from, which sometimes, you know, can become the next big conversation starters. You know, for example, I'm doing some research right now. Uh, we mentioned EAT. I'm doing some uh, research around um, uh, local EAT. So, like, as expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness, like, how those things play into local SEO. And my theory is sort of hard to operationalize because it's essentially that Google can understand off-site phenomenon like community involvement. Do you have a legit storefront? Um, what is the overall local relevance? You know, you've got like things like Google Earth, uh, Google Earth and, and Lens that are, are sort of going on now. And, and I haven't really heard much about Lens lately, but I remember that was there was some pretty big developments there um, where you could like point your phone at a storefront and like, you know, at a restaurant and like pull up their menu and things like that. Um, you know, I don't know, like, I would say the the outlandish, you know, sort of ridiculous thing there is that like Google can understand the offsite phenomenon, you know, like community involvement and and like are you running a food drive next week or how popular are you in the community? Are you often seen, you know, out at uh, at restaurants and, and bars and stuff by the community? Are you engaging? And and that's I don't know how the oper operationalization is the difficult part there, but I've I've got some a couple theories that I think would be good measurements and stay tuned on that i'm actually going to be publishing some stuff there yeah sounds great thanks for that i think it's cool that you touched on the fact that anything can be seen as a test so keeping it lighthearted to close out this main section um you've worked on lots of different sites that vary in size and industry in your time in seo and web development do you have any interesting stories that you could share with us or maybe something that didn't go uh, as you'd planned for example well an interesting thing that I found like once we found a um, clone of a very a very popular consumer products platform. I won't like name any names, but we we found like a, a a clone of the site. Essentially, they were ripping them off a site based out of Vietnam. Exact same spin on the branding, like slightly different like font, uh, same color, like same products and stuff. And I imagine they had some sort of contact with the same supplier that was giving them stuff and and. So we're piggybacking off of that. I think the company ultimately sent like a cease and desist. I'm not sure what happened with it, but that came out of a site audit. And that was sort of a really unique because we had to really dive into like the DNS and name servers and, and where the, the IP address was pointing sort of to, to figure that out. Let's say that's a, good, that's a good one. I think let's go with that. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Thanks for sharing that one with us. So we are going to close out the main section of the episode right here. Thank you for providing us with some really cool insights, Mike. Uh, it's been really fun. 
I have two quick questions to ask you to close out the episode. So stay tuned, everyone, for a few more minutes. So the first question that I ask to every guest, Mike, is do you have a memorable story that jumps out when you look back on your career? So it could be something funny, inspirational or embarrassing, for example. Okay, yeah. So one of them, I will say, was on launch day back when I was at a startup, you know, when we were actually launching the application. We were targeting just a couple of states on the East Coast. I was managing PPC at the time and totally forgot about, you know, the targeting, like refining the targeting and ended up driving traffic to the entire United States, which was, well, slightly embarrassing. But, you know, it was funny, though. We, we joked about it. It fixed it, obviously. But, uh, you know, that was sort of a funny, funny mess up. You, you got to be able to to laugh at yourself too, you know, and, and not everything's going to be a huge deal at the end of the day. Like if you're going to get good at anything, uh, you're, you're going to fail along the way. So don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. I think that fits nicely with our conversation on testing too. Um, sometimes you'll get things wrong, but it's all right. I know that I've made a few mistakes on our PPC account. If you don't try new things then you'll never know if they work or not. So moving on, the second question that I ask to everyone is, do you have a resource that you use regularly, which could help our listeners? Yeah, sure. So obviously there's like search engine roundtable for a lot of the latest algorithm news or statements from Google. I think search engine journal is probably a great place to start if you're just like starting to get into SEO. They'll have most of like the quick highlights. But yeah, I mean, I also get a lot of my information from just like Reddit and, um, you know, through just Google searches. I mean, you typically find something um, or Twitter, um, a lot of stuff, you know, I get from LinkedIn. You'll you'll see a lot of the latest stuff published. So like those aren't like official marketing sources, but a lot of marketers post their stuff on those those uh, sources. So I, I think that a lot of the stuff I find is is that way. But I'll say personally, a lot of my reading has been more, especially lately, has been more high level growth success sort of like entrepreneurship type books i'm about halfway through one right now called third circle theory it's like purpose through observation it's all about visionaries and the behind the scenes of how some of these you know like million dollar ideas get developed it's been really great so far i recommend picking up a copy yeah awesome and thanks for suggesting that book i know that our listeners always enjoy a book recommendation so before we close out just really quickly how can our listeners find you if they would like to connect uh, you can engage with me on Twitter. My handle is just at msaphone, so C-I-F-F-O-N-E, at msaphone. And then, uh, you know, I post a lot on LinkedIn too. Um, and then there's always my, our blog at saphonedigital.com. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, thank you for joining us, Mike. You've shared some really cool and interesting insights with us, and I had lots of fun. Uh, for everyone listening, please go and check out Mike's social media channels. I know that he would love it if you gave him a quick follow or connection request. Thank you for the support and we'll be back next Wednesday for episode 78 and I know that we have a great guest lined up. So have a wonderful week and we'll see you then.